Uh, for some of you that may have never met Chuck before, Chuck has been a part of and been very influential in Victory Church for about 30 years. Um, very significant, along with Jim McCracken and the whole transition of our church 30 years ago into the kind of church we are today. Uh, personally, Chuck was the first person that the Lord used to prophesy over me that there would be a day somewhere in my future that I would be shepherding a flock of my own, so to speak, and breaking the bread of life a long time ago. He's also the first guy that made me dance in front of the church. (laughs) That was painful. (laughs) That was painful. So we're very blessed that Chuck can be here. Uh, Chuck is uh, going to share, uh, like I said, kind of a part two. Um, For those that weren't here, Chuck will be probably sharing a little bit, but he's here filled with the joy of the Lord, but with a very heavy heart. Uh, His niece that he was very close to, his brother Tom and Sister-in-law Cindy's 38-year-old daughter, um, her life was taken by suicide two weeks ago this morning. So he brings that with us with the word that he is going to bring. So Chuck, if you'd come up, and I'm going to pray with you before we turn this over to you. I'll bring it. Father, we thank you for our brother. We thank you for the impact that he has had on us as a church and so many of us here in this church We thank you for the word that is in him, God. It is like a precious mine. And I thank you for the way you allow your Holy Spirit to mine the truth from your word and let it be released through Chuck. And that's what we pray for this morning, God, that you would give him strength, even as he carries the burden of heaviness in his heart. God, that you would just give him grace, abundant grace, Father, as he shares all that you've laid on his heart for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing, we will be receiving an offering. I know we don't do that very often. We're going to be receiving an offering at the end of the service for Chuck and his ministry. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning. So glad to be here. Uh, we we scheduled uh, this before two weeks ago, and I think Mike and I communicated and uh, said, do you want to still come? I said, absolutely, I need to be there. Um, So I'm glad I'm here. I'm going to take a copy of that pastoral dance. (laughs) I have influence all over the nation. And it will be dispersed to those local churches that would desire it. But Mike, for a small fee, we will rescind that. Right. I guess that's called a bribe, right? One verse, one gospel, one life. Uh, if you need a title, that's where I'm going. One verse, one gospel, one life. I preached this two weeks ago for the first time in Cloquet, Minnesota, which is the first church I pastored from 1975 to 1981. And the verse, the one verse is Galatians 2.20. That would be the gospel right there in one verse. And that's the capstone kind of summary that Paul has after an incredible, difficult scenario in Antioch 
that involve Peter. And Paul is, in a sense, setting everybody straight with this epistle because that problem in Antioch had spread to four churches that Paul had birthed. And so that's the gospel in one verse. The backdrop there is, as I said, the churches had been infected with legalism. They were young in Christ. They got picked off. And so Paul deals with the problem with his first epistle, written about 50 A.D., 49, 50 A.D., and this is this, is this mar- marvelous verse. Um, Galatians 2, verse 20. In Genesis 1.26, now I'm going to share some foundational things here, and I'm going to come back to that verse at the end, and I'm hoping to tie this all together. In Genesis 1.26, God is going to create man, and man, you and I, are the pinnacle of creation. I think Genesis 1.26, boy, I hope it says it, let us make man in our image. Is that what it says? I want you to notice the plural. This is the Trinity at work. In order for you and I to be made into his image, therefore we are threefold. Spirit, soul, and body. Very, very crucially important, and it's going to make all the more sense as I bring it into what happened to our precious Anna. Little did I understand when I preached this two weeks ago that it would begin to bring sense to my own heart to try to make sense out of the senseless. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I forgot to give you that verse, brother. Don't worry about it. You don't have to go there. But it go, uh, goes along with Genesis 1.26 where there it says, Paul, very clearly, we are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. Now, why is that important? Well, the Greeks influenced church history big time and said man's only two. Man has a soul. Man has a body. That's false. That's a dead end. So spirit, soul, and body is crucial in our understanding of how God works in our life, how we make sense out of difficult times, How we navigate through difficult times is the truths that are represented here in spirit, soul, and body. Now let me talk about your life before you got born again. Before you were born again, Paul describes you and I this way in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, you're dead. In sin. How many are familiar with that verse? All right, well, what's dead? My body's very much alive, and my soul is very much alive. So what is dead? Your spirit. Your spirit. Now, when God created Adam, and Adam had not sinned, he had a spirit, he had a soul, and he had a body. They were all capable to function. Why is Adam the pinnacle? Because Adam was to connect heaven while living on earth. He had a spirit that could interact with heaven. He had a body that would interact with his world. And he had a soul that would interact with creation. 
human beings. But he sinned. And the spirit died. I was born with a soul and with a body, but my spirit was dead. And I went through life like that for quite a while. Here's what happens. Your soul is in charge. Your soul develops. And what makes up your soul? Your soul is three things. Emotions, mind, and will. Emotions, mind, and will. I don't, I'm not going to take the time to go into all those in any kind of depth, but they're all very distinct. They're all part of your soul. It's who you are. You all have emotions. You all have a will. You all have a mind. During the course of a person's life, the enemy also gets involved to the person who's not yet born again. And he can develop strongholds in that soul. Some of them are emotional strongholds. Uh, you look at some of the testimony, the sad story of what people are capable of doing in the name of hate, anger, emotions that are off the charts. Um, strongholds in, in the will where we see that person that is so stubborn and is so locked in and is capable of just like an iron will and, of course, strongholds of the mind. And the Porta family and the D family, that's Anna's husband, we've been catapulted now into the realm of mental health. And I'm going to explore that very carefully in the days, weeks ahead and months ahead and try to help people. Your brain is an organ like your heart's an organ. And it can get sick. Well, I went through life with a soul and with a body. I was athletic. I wasn't all that smart in school, but I had a mind, emotion, will, and a body, and I lived, and then all of a sudden I came to that kind of end, and I was born again. What happened when you get born again? Your spirit, think of it like a room, comes alive. It's recreated, if you will. And now your spirit is going to give you an ability to interact with heaven once again. That means worship. That means hearing God's voice. That means holiness. That means all kinds of things that are in heaven like joy and gifts and suffering. That also, and so I was born again, John 1, 12, but to all who received him, he gave right to become children of God. How many of you remember that day? Come on, church. And we realize uh, that it's a free gift provided by Jesus Christ on Calvary with his death, burial, resurrection, shedding of his blood. The doors of heaven were opened. The veil was rent. 
and I have access to the throne room. And Chuck Porter was born again in 1970. Wow. And and uh, what did Bob just say? That's young. I'm a, what was I, Bob? Must have been five, six years old. Go figure. <laughs> and I was so excited, and I was so filled with anticipation, and I was innocent, and I was raw, and I was unwise, and I burst into my mother's home for the first time as a new Christian. Mom, you need to get saved or you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> It's not COVID. I, I shared that in the Sunday school, but relax. Been there, been there, done that. She said, welcome home, son. <laughs> How you doing? Here's what happened when you, get, when, you, when you were born again. You were made to sit in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, verse 6. Is that verse up there, by the way? Cool. Way to go, guys. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 6, made to sit in heavenly places. Think of it this way. That's your position. See, if I'm sitting, I'm in a kind of like a position. What does that mean? Well, you're in Christ. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and so you're sitting with him there in heaven. You realize it right now. Well, I sure don't feel like it sometimes. I get it. We're going to explain that in a minute. But that's your position. Guess what? It's eternal. You were sealed into that position. Think of it like locked into that position. Ephesians 1, very clear, by the blood of Christ. Can't break that seal. John chapter 10 says that you're in the clasp of the Father and the Son in their eternal handshake, and you're engraved on the palms of God, just, just, come on, just put, do this right now, and just, you should be feeling right now really secure and, and restful and locked in. Colossians 1, 13, 14, I love it. Colossians 1, 13, 14 says, I used to live in darkness, now I live in light. I had a big time transfer. This is way beyond a normal transfer. You were transferred by the power of God and the gospel from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, the Hebrew, or excuse me, the Greek verb there, you were transferred, that's aorist tense. I don't want to bore you with Greek, but that means once and for all. So just agree with me right now. I'm locked in. I don't have to worry about getting to heaven. I'm already there. I have an ability to interact with heaven through my spirit. I have in my spirit a desire to worship. I have in my spirit a desire to have faith in God. I have a desire in my spirit to move in the joy of the Lord. I have a desire in my spirit to embrace all that heaven has for me. Even the workings of the cross in my life, because I realize the other end of that cross, there's a joy set before me. Because I'm invited to walk in the steps of my Savior and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He has set an example for me that I may follow him. Wow, I'm born again. 
Here's the great challenge for your Christian life. What life in you dominates right now? Spirit? Soul? Or body? You're led by one of three. Spirit? Soul? Or body? Let's look at Jesus Christ just for a moment, how he operated while he was on earth. Jesus had a spirit, he had a soul, and he had a body. He slept, he was hungry at times, got weary, he would eat. He had a soul, emotion, mind, will. But he primarily lived in his spirit. He was, of course, a mature son of God, the son of God. And he says things like this. I only do what I hear from heaven. I only do what I see from heaven. I'm totally locked in and in sync. And you say, well, that's Jesus Christ. Is it possible for me to come to a place in my Christian life as a follower of Christ to be more led by the Spirit versus being led by my soul or being led by my body. Well, Paul says it in Romans 8 very clearly. Those who are mature are led by the Spirit. How do I come to a place where Galatians 2.20 begins to play out where Chuck no longer lives. Now, I'm still living. Come on, look at me. Please tell me I'm still living. I'm breathing. I'm, I'm going to, you know, watch the Packers play the Vikings this afternoon with Mike Nelson. And, 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 and yet, I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live now in this tent, my body, I live by faith flowing out of my spirit and I'm on a journey of being more and more coming into being led by the Spirit. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Is that up on the screen? Okay, a very familiar verse. How blessed. I should turn around. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. The key phrase there is has blessed us. Has blessed us has blessed us. The word there in the original is eulogasis. We get the word eulogy. And when you eulogize, it means to speak well over someone. So you eulogize over someone when they have died. But when God eulogizes over you and I, It's not looking back like a natural eulogy. It's looking forward like a prophetic kind of eulogy. That's why Psalm 116, verse 15, is so important in your life and in my life. It is precious. It is precious to God, the death of his saints. 
Now, I'm not going to talk right now about literal death, but I want to talk about Galatians 2.20, Calvary, power of the cross, at work, and Chuck Porter's soul. Because if Calvary can do a number on my soul, it kind of whittles it down, it kind of incapacitates it, if you will, so I can be led and live and move in the Spirit. So it's precious when you and I have Calvary at work and parts of us Parts of us die. Calvary is very unfair. Uh, it's the death of the innocent on behalf of the guilty. It's it's kind of stark and harsh. And before I was saved, and before you were saved, see your soul overdeveloped. And your soul was used to being boss. And when you're a Christian, your soul can't be boss. We want to be a people of the Spirit. Joseph, would you agree Joseph was a good man? And he gets word from Mary. With all their plans all laid out, Mary comes and says, I'm pregnant. He's stunned, he's shocked, he's mad, he's crying, he's, he's abruptly halted with all of his life's soul plans. He said, but it's not like you think. An angel came to me and said I was going to give birth to Messiah. Mary, that's a good one. <laughs> What did you do, stumble on Isaiah 9? Or how did you come up with that? And we know he didn't believe her. Why? He's going to put her away. He's going to divorce her. That's a soulish decision. It's a reasonable decision. It's maybe an emotional decision. It's clearly an act of his will decision. And we have to make all kinds of decisions in life. And I submit to you this morning, uh, church, that our soul at times can be our own worst enemy. Because it's reasonable. It's intellectual. I remember sitting down with a young leader, so gifted. But it was all soul. It was all soul. I said, your gifting's in the way from you being a man of the Spirit. Operating in the Spirit. I grew up in ministry leading worship, half Italian. My wife's so discerning, she knows me better than anyone. How did I do leading worship today? Well, my, 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 we were sure cheerleading today, weren't we? We got everybody worked up well. I'm not doing, hey, oh, please hear me. The pom-pom thing was great. 
That wasn't a jab at the pom-poms. I loved it. I loved it. I'm talking about real worship when we're up here. and You don't want them in their soul. You want them in the Spirit. Getting the songs by the Spirit, under the anointing of the Spirit, flowing in the life of the Spirit, so that the Spirit can impart. And it was good today. Way to go, worship team, by the way. Songs were great. So Joseph's going to make a very soulish decision. And heaven says, boy, there's a lot at stake here. Put this boy to sleep quick. And give him a word of really. And it says in Hebrews 4, verse 16. How's my guy doing? You got it up there? Is that you doing it, Luke? Or the young man behind you? Can't even see him there. Way to go. The Word of God separates spirit and soul. You need a fresh word from heaven. You need a fresh word from heaven. This is really crucial when you're in the greatest trial of your life. My brother is facing the unthinkable and his wife Cindy. They have nine children. Two weeks ago that Sunday, we were all stunned. Numb. Surreal. It's like a bad dream. He's preaching today in his church. And he's going to tell his church. He gave me a little precursor. The good that has already come out of this unbelievable sudden death. That's a word that my brother received that puts him in spirit rather than the normal, natural soul response. Well, how do I know what life is functioning in me? What's, what's happening? And you have a very telling verse in uh, Matthew 26, verse 73. This is Peter in crunch time. This is Peter getting close to Calvary, and the fear is growing, and the pressure is mounting, and he's following Jesus, but he's following from a distance. Soul Christians, body Christians, that's a whole other deal. I'm not even working, worrying about the body. I know when my body takes over. That, that has happened over the years, too, by the way, when I have been discouraged and down. I remember as a pastor, and I know, I know, I know the Lord wants me to go into the into the family room and seek God, which is my place to seek my Lord, but instead I would go to the refrigerator. <laughs> Hello. It's called comfort food. <laughs> Graham crackers, peanut butter, dipped in milk at about 10.20 at night. <laughs> you can just feel that thing settle in. <laughs> well, after bypass surgery... And all the other stuff that goes with arteries that have something they shouldn't have. We don't, 
We don't do peanut butter as much as I love. <laughs> That's just being led by your body, your, your, your flesh. I mean, good grief. Uh, pornography and all the other garbage that the church gets seduced by or all the other stuff that's related to your five physical senses of your body. That, that's a given. The soul is more subtle because the soul can appear religious. It can appear really good. That's the problem. It's too good. So, so who's really flowing? Where are we really at? Well, Matthew twenty six seventy three. The way you talk gives you away. The way you talk gives you away. The way you talk under pressure gives you away. The way you talk. Jesus, I mean, Peter, obviously cursed, denied, bolted, ran, all soul, all fear, all panic. And spent three days in emotional hell, only to be rescued on resurrection day by Jesus. It's all part of his breaking. Okay. When I watch my family, my extended family, deal with the unthinkable, starting with my brother and sister-in-law, declaring from their spirit, I love Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him till the day I die. I can't make any sense out of what's happening, but I'm going to trust him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to love him. And I'm going to walk with him. Over the years, I've dealt with Christians as they wrestle with problems, and then you hear what they're wrestling with. Really? For the way you talk gives you away. There's divine life that talks. There's divine life that talks, and the cross unleashes divine life. There are seven words spoken on Calvary. They are the words of Christ. They are the words of divine life. They are only spoken by Jesus Christ through us, through our yielded, crucified soul and body, and we know what they are. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Takes care of a thief. Takes care of his mother. I thirst. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Into thy hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. Seven words of divine life. You... Find what life you're living by under the pressures of life, under the great trials of life. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes what's come out of my mouth under the great trials of life has not been pretty, has not been pleasant, has been very, very frustrated words. But I can say, along with my brother in this last two weeks, Our faith is real, it's holding firm, it's believing Jesus Christ, and we are going to follow Jesus Christ until he returns. 
It is not open to suggestion or other alternatives. He's the only one. Divine life operating in us. I was in Germany with Kostadir years ago. We were at a Bible school. And the other speaker spoke that night on worship and real worship. And he said during the course of his message, he was in Alaska getting ready to preach. And before he spoke, an Eskimo native woman shuffled to the front and began to sing. He was amazed because she couldn't sing. She never hit a correct note. If anything, she screeched more than she sang. And he didn't understand the language because it was her native Eskimo tongue. Finally, he's pretty kind of, what the heck is going on here? Whispers to the pastor, what's this all about? He said, she's singing a song in her native tongue of worship, surrender, love to Jesus Christ. He said, awesome. Because as she was singing, the the room was filled with a presence of God that was stunning. And the glory came in, which has a weight to it. And the brother said, you could hardly stand up. That's why he wasn't making sense out of what was happening in terms of the presence and the glory. And then this song. Last week, one week, she lost all six of her children in a fire. And she's worshiping God. That is not soulish. That is spiritual. That's a spirit still flowing with heaven. That though he slay me, I'll trust him. And I'm going to continue to surrender to him and follow him and worship him. That so impacted my life then. And it's now come full circle even in the last two weeks. What are you going to do, Chuck? I was very close to Anna. She was part of my Sunday night Zoom Bible study on John. I'm very close to her husband, Brian. We would hang out after the other guys would leave hunting camp and we would stay and stay longer and just fellowship. So Anna, ha- Anna had a spirit that was positioned in heaven. He was born again, like you and I. She loved God. She worshiped God. She loved the truth. 
She would always text me at times with penetrating deep questions. Good grief, girl, where are you getting this? So hungry for the truth. That's her spirit. Your spirit loves truth. It loves the word. She loved her family. She has four children. Alex, the oldest of 20. Tessa's 13. And then Elias is 13, uh, 15, sophomore in high school. And Everett, a junior in high school. And I'm, I'm doing this specifically because I'm really soliciting your ongoing prayer, your intercession. Elias was the one who found his mother. So we are going to believe God and trust God and minister to him all of what he needs to minister so the enemy doesn't use that to take him down the wrong path. Anna was a prophetic poet, prolific writer of prophetic poems. Some were for individuals that she would send and write just at the right time. I'm going to read one in a moment. Mike, what time do you close? Okay. Well, but no, that's, that's is that clock working? It looks like it's weird there. It looks like it's 4.30. Praise God. Oh, I see. Now it is. Okay, there you go. That is the biggest clock I've ever seen in my life. In Praise God. Some of you have maybe read this that's on Facebook, but that's okay. It's good to, it's good to read it again. When she was in spirit, this is how your spirit talks, writes. You're gifted. The title is Fixed Eyes. Listen carefully. Written a while ago. I like to think myself fearless, brave, and strong. How could I be so wrong? With crisis brewing near and abroad, my might seems to be a facade. My strength is sifted through my fingertips, crumbling fast as I try to come to grips. With a world far different than I have ever known, security becomes elusive even within my home. Trying to take it all in, calm and composed, but I feel my nerves spraying, giving way, disposed. As emotions wreak havoc on my fragile soul, the stress ever looming, taking its toll. How could this weak and weary being be who I have become? My eloquent, my eloquent words escape me, and the grandiose notions from whence they come. Could my reservoir be nothing more than a mirage? The shallow state of my true heart 
in camouflage. This realization stops me cold in my tracks. My heart skips a beat. My mind numbed by the attack. I pause to catch my breath. In agony, I reflect. This truth unlocks hope. It's not a defect. For in this humble state, I can fully see this broken, helpless flesh inside of me. Finally, I come face to face with my enemy. Self-reliant arrogance. Self. The deceptive guide inside of me. For strength does not reside within my human will. It is found imparted into my spirit when I yield and I am still. When I finally come to the end of myself, recognizing my poverty, I rise when on my knees I fall, forsaking all but thee. The only foundation upon which my life can be built to stand is Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. My life is in thy hand. When all is shaken, you alone remain, for I will never be forsaken. You alone sustain. So humbly, I now find the peace my heart is desperate for, quiet and content. My soul longs for nothing more, and I will take each step in grace with my eyes fixed upon thy face. You can print that and make that a devotional for your life because that's exactly what I'm preaching this morning. Soul, useless. Spirit, everything. That was written last summer in the midst of the pandemic when her world was crumbling as many of ours was. Can I read one more that's shorter? And was asked by someone last February, what is beauty? To me, beauty is this. When people are able to come together and reveal their true self. No expectations or standards to be met. People gather to bear their soul, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you can find a place with no pretense and glimpse reality to see and hear one's personal struggle, pain, burdens, and joy, and to look into their eyes and see them beautiful, imperfect, fragile, and vulnerable, And to see in their eyes the question that is found in all of us. Do you love me? The cry of every human heart is to be loved. Valued in our entirety. Mess and all. And I can see the snapshot of this holy moment. This grace filled exchange in my mind. And my heart and hope is that in that moment. My eyes say only one thing to each and every person that I have opportunity to encounter, and that is, yes, I love you and see you worth 
and see your worth that is given you from the moment that you come to be that no one and nothing can detract. I see your beauty. Let us see the beauty today that exists all around us. The visitation last Friday night, people waited outside in the cold for hours. Very large family, both sides. Private funeral, so the community came out and and I was kind of amazed. My brother said, Chuck, I don't know half of these people. But they all knew Anna. Anna had a smile and a heart that you could talk for maybe five, ten minutes and you felt like you were her best friend. And like an old shoe, she was just very comfortable to be around. I, I don't know. I guess I'm just bearing my heart here. I, I don't know if this is healing for Chuck or whatever. Thank you for bearing with me. I I love my niece. Uh, so when I preached this message two weeks ago Sunday, I get called into the pastor's office. And the pastor and his wife and an elder and his wife have me sit down and they say, Anna, we just got a text from the family. She died by suicide this morning. I think we all immediately went numb. And I, I now believe that's kind of a grace from God. Kind of like a, a heart novocaine. Monday morning it wore off for me and I wept like a baby in bed before I could get out of bed. I went to see Brian then that day and we agreed for the funeral. Cried, hugged. And uh, I told the family we're launched on a path we don't want, but we're on it and we can't get off it. But like Jacob who got a limp, we're going to embrace this limp so that we can minister to others. And you remember that story about Jacob getting that limp. That's when his name was changed. I also told the family this is a Moses burning bush event. They don't happen a lot. You have to look deep into the burning bush. Don't run from it. Don't pretend it's not there. Look deep into that burning bush because you'll find God there. Just as much as those three boys found him in that fire in no other place. So we're, we're looking into the burning bush and we're looking into and we're embracing the limp. Time heals, I doubt it. It'll maybe make it better, but in one sense, that's okay if it never goes away. My, we'll, we'll minister to people and try to help people. Um, I read this at the funeral. This was from a young girl who received a prophetic poem just for her from Anna. 
Sometimes she would send these to people she really didn't even know. She'd just hear about their situation, but other people she really did know. And she was asked once, well, how does that work? She says, I don't know. I just, op- I, I just get a pen, and I cry out to the Lord and begin to pray, and then I write the first sentence, and then it just flows. I guess that's how prophecy works, right? This young girl writes, she remained anonymous. I read that poem from Anna every single night when I was at one of my lowest points in my life. I remember I was struggling and very suicidal, and I got that from her when I almost took my life. And after that is when I started going to church with you guys and grew in my relationship with God. It was just so crazy, the timing of it and how spot on that poem was. It literally freaked me out, but it made me remember that there is no way God is not real. Everything in that poem is what I needed to hear. And I think there was a letter with that little card as well. That's that's one of many. So that's Anna in spirit. Can you see it? Can you see a spirit connected with heaven? Hearing in the spirit, writing in the spirit, led by the spirit, but now you have to look at her soul. You have to, in particular, look at that mind that was unhealthy. And so, after the birth of her fourth child, she went into a thing and needed help and It's a medication. That's 13 years ago. She came out of that beautifully and got off all medication for years. And then a couple months ago, something kicked in. And you do what you do as husband, as father, as mother, as uncle. And you do what you can do and you text and you do this and you share this. And then uh, two weeks ago, it happens. So now you're thrust, uh, thrust into where we're at today. In my spirit, I have hope. In my spirit, I have peace. In my spirit, I'm not sure how much joy right now, but I'm going to tap into more joy. Worship is good for me today. Thanks, Brian. Many believers in the last year and a half have had some of the great struggles of their life. Your world is crumbling. Your world has been shaken. It's no back to normal ever again. We are in the last days, the soon return of Christ. All things that can be shaken are being shaken. There's only one kingdom that cannot be shaken, and you and I are locked into that kingdom. So I did the funeral, and during the course of the funeral, what happened that week, uh, and this is what my brother is actually speaking of it this morning, the fingerprints of God. And why don't we all just stand? Brian, why don't you come on up with the worship team? If you've got a, a worship song, Mike, I'll turn it over to you in a minute. But uh, Brian's mother 
I'm not sure if it was Monday or Tuesday after the Sunday. She's a spiritual woman, loves God, as does his father. She received a vision of Anna. Um, just as clear as could be. And she communicated it to Brian's young, youngest adopted sister, who's from uh, uh, the Philippines. And she's an artist. And so she painted the vision. During that in time, and it was on display in front of the church at the funeral. We looked at it, we wept, we rejoiced, they're going to put it on canvas, and we're going to put all her poems in a book, and we're going to put her picture there, and we're going to shout to the world, Jesus Christ is alive, you can put that picture up now, brother. And that's what was painted. Can you read the caption underneath? Read it out loud for me, would you? What does it say? That's our hope. <laughs> That's our confidence. Uh, thank you for listening to my heart. Um, ask God and make it a prayer request going forward as I'm doing for my own life. Lord, more and more and more. I really do want to be led by my spirit. God, help me. This soul that needs work in my body. Father, I just uh, love you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for enduring friendship. And that, Lord, we are one in spirit. And we suffer with those who suffer. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And we are connected to each other. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the reality of your gospel, for the reality of our faith, for the reality of God himself. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to do something a little different. We don't take offerings very often. I'm going to ask a few of the guys to come forward and we'll receive the offering as we're singing this song that Brian and Laura are going to lead us in. And because I didn't ask anybody beforehand if some of the guys could come forward, or gals, anybody, and we'll receive this offering. If you're, just, if you're writing a check, just write it out to Victory. And just encourage you to even continue to worship as we give as we're worshiping. And also...